0: Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host, as always, Daniel Levy, your guest co-host, Nick Kalikas. Today, we're going to talk about UFC Nashville, Corey Sanhagen versus Rob Font. And, Nick, it's going down this Saturday night live at the Bridgestone Arena in Nashville, Tennessee. You got two top five bantamweights going head-to-head. And Corey Sanhagen, this wasn't his original opponent. Initially, they put him in there with the Russian stud umar and i mean for a replacement rob font that's that's not a easy that's not an easy out for anybody so man what a main event and it's actually not in the bantamweight division it's a catchweight at 140 you know got it got it rob font is a big bantamweight so you got to give him a little leeway but we'll view this as a bantamweight fight and what a main event it is nick
1: oh i love it like you said i mean for replacement fight at this caliber to get put together so quickly, and yeah, I don't think the fans are going to be disappointed. Of course, a lot of us wanted to see him against Nurmagomedov, Meg- but at the same time, it is what it is. Well, I'm sure we'll get to see that at some time down the road.
0: I mean, it would have pissed me off if they did like Corey versus like some newcomer, like a LFA do it on a one week notice. i have been like, come on, like like stop it. And could you imagine that guy upset Corey? You know, but just saying, uh, this is yeah. a very suitable replacement. So Nick, without further ado, let's get right down to business because in the main event, we got an 140 pound catchweight bout between two top Bantamweight contenders. We got Corey Sanhagen. He's 16 and four taking on Rob Font, or as we like to say in Brazil, Nick Hobby Fonch, who's 20 and six. And currently they got it. Corey Sanhagen minus 340. They come back on Rob Font is plus 280. So you already know where I'm going to start. I'm going to start with the line. I mean, look, it opened minus 200 sand egg. And if you jumped on that, I mean, great job. But here at minus 340, I'm not sure what to do with it. And, you know, we can break down the stylistics and we will. But as gamblers, the number is the most important thing. I mean, do you view there to be value at minus 340? I think it's kind of escaped us a little bit.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely right. No, I mean, at this point, it's unfortunately one of those things that you have to look at the dog or you leave it alone. I mean, and Font is such a good caliber, high caliber fighter that we, you know, sometimes you count him out, look at his last fight, put a big upset win. So, I mean, he is that type of guy that can play spoiler. So at a minus 300 or above price tag, you can't lay the chalk on this fight. You have to kind of sit back and watch it or bet the dog. So, but There has been a lot of sharp action that did lay 250s, 270s, all the way up to 300, even around that range. So sharp action is coming in on Sanhagen.
0: And I believe you, and I can see why. Because, I mean, think about this. Corey is a guy that ever since he made his UFC debut against Austin Arnett, do you remember that performance when he was just destroying the guy with body shots? We were like, whoa, who's this guy? You know what I mean? Like, And then the Yuri Alcantara fight overcomes insane adversity, finishes him. And Yuri, at the time, was one of the most dangerous Brazilian finishers. And then Mario Bautista finishes him in, in round one. Look what Mario Bautista is doing now. He's got a pay-per-view uh, main card slot against a former champion, Cody Garbrandt. They're building this kid up. Then... This kid, Sanhagen, goes toe-to-toe with John Lineker for three straight rounds, which one doesn't simply do. Then they give him the vet of vets, Rafael Assuncao, and guess what's next? The current champ, Aljamain Sterling, who wasn't the champ at the time. It was a number one contender fight, but listen, Aljo did his thing, won back take. The fight was shortly after, and I mean, ever since then, I mean, I, I I, I say ever since then, since day one, Corey has been fighting a killer's row, man. Um, after that, it's Marlon Moraes who at the time was one of the scariest knockout artists in the history of the sport. Frankie Edgar, Hall of Famer, TJ DillaShaw, Hall of Famer, Piotr Yan. At the time, Piotr Yan was untouchable. I mean, he was coming off the Aljo fight where he knocked him out with a knee, but they raised Aljo's hand. Um, Peter Yan, as far as everyone was concerned, was the boogeyman of the division at the time. Then he, he takes – so this this is the interesting part because I was thinking that Corey Sanhagen was the guy that, you know, maybe he kind of chokes in big fights. He's super talented, this and that kind of like – not to disrespect any, like, you know, legends, but, like, you remember how, like, Kenny Florian would literally beat everybody until he got to, like, those, like – whether it was a gray man or title eliminator or, or the title shots themselves, you know, and then Dana said he kind of chokes in big fights, and I was kind of getting that vibe from Sanhagen, but check this out. So Sanhagen fought Piotr Yan – october of 2021 right he doesn't come back until september of 2022 so he literally takes close to a year off from competition comes back against song Yedong, a guy who's getting better every single fight and he had to overcome early adversity in that fight and the cut he left on him and i bet song in that fight i think it was like plus 180 i just felt like at plus 180 i'll take him against any band and on planet earth right that kind of thing um that comeback by sanhagen like Normally, you're like, oh, I'd like to see it play out, cut stoppage, this and that. Nah, dog. Like, he fucking came back and put it on him in those later rounds. And then against Vera, I bet Vera there at plus 160 or something like that. Because my whole thing with Vera is like, you know, we're going to lose the first round or two. And then he's like the best fighter in the world in round three, every single fight. I don't know what it is. It's just how he fights. And. You know, on paper, if you never watched that fight, right, and I told you I bet a plus 160 on a split decision, you'd say, oh, Dan, you made a great bet. Go make that bet 100 more times. You're going to come out on the right side of the coin. But, Nick, that fight was not a split decision in any way, shape, or form. That was, you know, classic Texas judges doing their thing um, because that, to me, was 50-45, possibly 50-44. And that was the fight where... You know, because since day one, people have been saying Corey could possibly possibly be a future world champion. But that performance he had against Vera, you don't just shut down Vera like that. Guys will win rounds off Vera and then Vera is going to take you out after that. Vera was never in that fight for one second. I mean, he got outstruck um, by more than two to one. Corey, in addition to landing 128 significant strikes that they counted, I feel like the counters don't always catch everything. They counted only 128 significant strikes and he also hit three takedowns which is something he's been adding to his game you saw that in the song you dong fight now he's able to give you that element of surprise even if this guy isn't a credentialed wrestler just uh the fact that he's fainting those takedowns giving you different looks giving you different things to think about it's not just the volume striking it's not just the length anymore now you got to worry about this guy potentially shooting on you and now I think we're finally starting to see that guy that people were saying, hey, this could be a future world champion. Now now I'm starting to buy it, Nick. Now I think he can fight for a title and have success down the line.
1: Absolutely, man. He's so well-rounded, like you said. I mean, underrated in those aspects. Don't forget, he's got good subs. And with those long limbs, too, I mean he- – there's just sky's the limit for him. And he's kind of climbing that ladder really well. And I think he's one of the toughest matchups just for everybody across the board of division. Cause he can do anything. He can stuff the takedowns. He can wrestle you offensively. Like you said, he can pick you apart part of the feet and that's the thing here against Rob Font. I do think that it's kind of going to be narrative a little bit as the fight progresses. Font's going to hang in there and do pretty well, but I think he will start getting beat and picked apart as the fight goes on a little bit with Sanhagen. I mean, that's, you know, kind of the narrative situation Font's been in as of late. And I think it's going to happen to him again here, in this spot, maybe even get finished as it goes. So yeah, I love me some Sandhagen. I mean, he's just an exciting fighter to watch and I I hope he does get that, you know, title shot or eventually wear that strap because he deserves it. man. There's no question. He's trending in the right direction
0: yeah the things we love about font firstly that jab's got to be one of the best jabs in, in the bantamweight division and maybe maybe in the whole ufc i mean this guy's straight punches if you want a pocket box with rob font if cory says fuck using my length and my footwork and you know giving him elements of surprise with feints to takedowns and he just wants to box in the pocket with rob font well then these odds are completely off but knowing the kind of iq and the way that corey thinks i highly doubt that's going to be the case here but just saying rob does have a path to victory like like i said go stand toe-to-toe in the pocket with rob font and see what happens you know ask adrian Yanez about that and what's amazing about that fight and i was on Yanez in that fight I, but i was also on cheeto and on aldo prior to that because i kind of think that rob can still give it and it's not that rob can necessarily not take it because it's not like when he gets knocked down he's looking for a way out the guy's still tough as hell and he's still trying to get back in there it's just his body's kind of letting him down at times is, is the issue i'm having but back to the honest fight i wanted to make an example if you uh play that knockout in slow motion adrian yanez was mid combo adrian yanez rocked rob font with a big shot kind of around the ear temple area and Rob Font, like in the midst of getting attacked with a big combo that's put down many other people. You see what you saw what Giannis was doing up until that fight? Rob Font, I mean, it's literally he dug that shot from the depths of hell and just brought it up. And man, he sent Giannis flying. And it was like, okay, okay, y'all must have forgot he still got it. So he's earned this, he's earned this opportunity. I just think the smarts uh, of Corey Sanhagen, the length, and I say the length. Font's actually got a one-inch reach advantage, but I think the height of Corey Sanagan is going to play a factor because he uses that height. It's not like, I remember last time you were on the show, um, there was this kid named Sam Patterson making his debut in, uh, against Yanal Ashmoos, right? And we were we were talking about how, you know, Sam is a brutal knockout waiting to happen. We, we just don't really think it's going to be this fight. And then it was this fight, right? Um, yep. The thing with Sanhagen is that I don't I don't see the the tall man's defense as much as I did early in his career. Right. Like like and, and with that said, his chin's insane. He was eating Lineker bombs on his chin like nothing. I was like, damn. So the kid's ultra durable. Um, and now he's evolving into that guy that people have been hyping up for years. So I'm sold. I think the kid's paid his dues. Like, like, kid, you crushed the grapes. Now we drink the wine. So I think Corey Sanhagen is going to shine in the main event.
1: Yeah, no, I like it, man. And I'm glad you brought up the fight IQ, too, because I think that's very important. He is that type of fighter, that he's not going to stay in the pocket. He's not going to do silly things. He knows what it takes to win the fight, and he's going to adapt as the fight goes on and make those changes and to be successful. Because a lot of times, man, it's so frustrating. You see the fighters go out there and not kind of utilize their strengths or, you know, the fight IQ is questionable at times. But you don't have to worry about that with Sandhagen either. He's well-coached. He's well-trained. Everything across the board is just lining up perfectly for him.
0: Co-main event of the evening in the strawweight division. This is strawweight, right? Like Tatiana dropped a strawweight? Why did I think she was at flyweight?
1: This, um, I believe so. Yeah, I think it is back at uh, strawweight. It's a hundred. No, it's a 115 pound fight. Yeah. Right. So it is a strawweight. Yep.
0: Wow. Okay. So against Montana. Okay. So Montana was flyweight. Wow. So she's dropping. Interesting. Because I saw Tatiana in Atlanta at the PFL fights and I mean, she looked in shape, but she don't look like no straw. She's she's a she's a big girl, so yeah, she is a
1: big girl. It's surprising, honestly, a little bit, but yeah. I mean, Andrade going back down doesn't surprise me, you know, either after her, you know, lack of su- success or whatnot recently. So it's a good fight, though, man. A lot of action coming in early on the underdog, of course, and now we're seeing some action back on Tatiana Suarez too.
0: So, so I got a couple things to say, but firstly, let's just get this out the way: Jessica Andrade, she's twenty-four and eleven, taking on Tatiana Suarez, who's nine and zero. Currently, they got it. Tatiana, just depends where you look. Minus 360, the comeback on Jessica Andraj. 295, plus 300-ish. All right, two things I want to say. Number one, Nick, do you know what's been my most profitable betting angle in
1: 2023? No, sir. What's that?
0: Fading Jessica (laughs) Andraj.
1: That's usually not a formula for success, but can't argue it. Go ahead.
0: Three units, Blanchfield, plus 160.
1: I was also three, blanchfield I like
0: three you three units yan Nan 160.
1: i was also her as well
0: so that <laughs> i'm not
1: automatically trying to fake just those spots either were you obviously you're not but yeah yeah no i got gotcha. you
0: well with, with Zhao and i was because john and i better every single fight she's she's one of my money trains but blanchfield was more the spot the number i mean they're all the spot mm-hmm. the number if if john was minus 500 i wouldn't have better there right but but here minus 360 that's not plus 160. however i think she's catching her at a good time but before before I break it down I want to give a shout out to someone so uh there's a new teammate um that joined my team her name's Tyra Parker and check this out check out how much of a badass Tyra Parker is so she's only been on our team give or take about a month or so so and she's like very soft-spoken so I didn't know any of this it's just when I like when we're in the locker room you know the guys talk just like I'm sure the the ladies talk when they're in the locker room and one of the guys brought up how like uh our our teammate Tyra fought Tatiana Suarez to a decision in her in the regionals. Uh, her second pro fight was against Michelle the Karate Hadi Watterson. And then she also fought Nina Nunes on her regionals. And and Tyra never had an amateur background. So she just goes right into pros, fighting Tatiana to a decision karate Hadi and strike force and nina Ansaroff. and and unfortunately she got discouraged by those losses and retired early but i'm thinking to myself like all these fighters went on to be ranked fighters like just like stick through it like and they all had amateur backgrounds too you didn't like you're a badass you know so shout out tyra parker that's really cool she she's a really respectful soft-spoken person she never mentioned it once i had to find out from someone else so you know much respect tyra parker but back to this i had to bring it up because Tatiana's fighting and I just found out about it, but I'll be honest with you, man. I've always thought that Tatiana, you know, has a skill set that's going to give you know people a ton of problems. I mean, her physicality mixed with her wrestling—you know about that. But a lot of people were a lot higher on her than I've been, right? Like a lot of people were saying future world champ since day one, and I'm not disputing that that might be the case. Who knows? We'll see. But I was never on that train. I was never the one saying I've been the one saying Yan Xiaonan champion since day one. I've been the guy saying Jamal Hill champion since day one. But I was never on the Tatiana champion train i've always been on the you know she's a top 10 fighter but that doesn't matter here i'm I'm just i'm just bringing that up because i know because you you've heard uh the way people will get when they talk about tatiana right like as oh yeah
1: i mean these wrestlers we want to fall in love with them all because they're just such high caliber athletes and they're so dominant when they cross over to mma a lot of times you expect you know the best from them so in this situation here especially for the ladies divisions yeah she was just a phenom and the expectations are so high you're right across the board everybody really believes that she will be champion one day unfortunately the injuries everything you know set her back a little bit but she but she might have already been wearing that strap we don't know but you're right high expectations to live up to all that man it's hard so this is a good test though we're really going to see what she's made of here
0: and another interesting thing is her dropping back down to strawweight she has a win over the current flyweight champ grasso like why not stay a flyweight and chase that rematch this I mean, I guess she's going to be so physically superior at strawweight that maybe she sees that as her best path to a title. But at the same time, you beat the flyweight champ. So, like, why not stay there? But back to this matchup, man. I mean, like, look, we know what Andraj brings to the table. And, and and the thing about someone like Andrage, um, it, it kind of brings me back to a little bit of Tony Ferguson uh, or even, like, in just a situation where, like, I don't think that Andrade's skills have diminished. I still think that, like, I mean, if you're not fighting back, she's going to swing big bombs on you. She's got a nasty guillotine. Bata Eshtaka. Does that mean pile driver? I forgot what it means, but she's been known to pick girls up, Matt Hughes style, walk them across the cage, slam them down. She's a physical force. It's just that um she's always been known for eating a lot of shots right like it's just that she'd walk through those shots and then when she landed her shots uh the ladies had never been hit like that before so it'd be like oh my god like like what did i just get hit with right uh but now that the durability is kind of starting to wane a little bit for on she still fights the same she just can't take it as well as she once did and i'm not, I'm not even talking about yan jown knocking her out in the first round because yan jana is one of the most dangerous strikers in that dev- in that division but aaron blanchfield who's a, 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 like a prodigy black belt like one of those kid prodigies like she, i think she was like a black belt like 19 or something something crazy like that but like aaron blanchfield's getting off on like straight punches on, on andrage aaron blanchfield's getting off on the feet so that's kind of worrisome about the current state of andrage i know andrage can still give it of course <laughs> i i i know that damn well and so do you I just don't think she can take it as well. But to take it a step further, matchup-wise, I mean, we saw Valentina take down Andrade seven times. Now, granted, that means she got up six times. But still, if if someone can relentlessly wrestle here, you know it's Tatiana. So, yeah, if Tatiana maybe takes takes her down and takes her back and somehow Jessica can survive and get back up and then it's a restart, yeah, those kind of things are sweats, especially when you're laying minus three to minus four and, and whatnot. But ultimately, I do think that Tatiana is gonna get that final takedown where she, where, where, Jessica can't get up, and whether it's ground and pound, whether it's a take the back and a rear naked choke, because Andrade does give up the back to get back up to to your feet. Um, now, granted, that strategy works with a lot of fighters, because sometimes you gotta take that risk to get back up. But here against Suarez, Suarez is someone that you get you you give her an inch, she'll take a mile. So yeah, I do I do have Suarez in this fight.
1: Yeah, I do, too. I mean, there's no question about it. And it is the ground deficiency that we're seeing from Andrade. That's a problem. I mean, her submission defense offensively, she's good. Like she can actually out wrestle most, too. I, th- I think, like you said, the explosiveness, the power that she has. And she still has, you know, that in her punches, too, on the feet. So she's very dangerous, has this offensive submission ability, too. Just the defensive ability, stuff in the takedowns. I think she's going to be game at the beginning, but all it's going to take is maybe one or two takedowns. Suarez so is going to do her thing and probably finish her. So I do think this is a test because of the high caliber position that Andrade is in. But stylistically, should be a nightmare matchup. That's why you're seeing the line so high. I get it. I Honestly, I want to see her get tested. I want to see all these prospects get tested. So I'm hoping Andrade stuffs some takedowns. I'm hoping she lands some punches. I'm hoping Suarez is able to absorb that punishment. I want to see her kind of overcome adversity and then just get the finish after that. You know what I mean? Just kind of get tested. Like that. I'm sure she doesn't obviously, but I, I, we want to see that. I want to see her get stretched out like as far as we can into the third round, all that stuff. Cause I do have some questions about her cardio. We just haven't seen enough of Suarez and especially with the layoff, everything coming into play here with the injury. You know, I want to see her back to her prime or, or to the best of her ability to kind of see where she's at.
0: Absolutely. And I mean, it'd be cool to see it here. Just, not yeah, not, not projecting it but it'd be cool i'd be happy for her of yeah, course
1: I yeah uh, i don't like i said i don't think it's going to play out that way but if it does i won't be disappointed for sure because we do and i hope she gets the w obviously because it's fresh blood so you know it just i'm hoping for an all-time classic type of battle that we're a little surprised about but she still gets the w it still moves up that ladder you know and, and so if that's i think the best case scenario probably doesn't happen that way she gets a takedown ends it maybe in the first but we'll see
0: And let's see which uh, way this line trends as well. Do you have any indications of more sharp action coming in either way?
1: Well, again, it got pounded at the beginning down. Now it's starting to get, you know, bounce back up a little bit. Sharps aren't hesitating. That's the thing. A lot of these bigger groups that have the bankrolls, they'll lay three to one. They'll lay, you know, those high prices if they find value there. And this is a spot where a lot of them do find value. So, yeah, it's trending up a little bit for Suarez. And I'm sure the props are going to be buried at most books, like with submission, you know, TKO on the ground inside the distance stuff like that as well so yeah this is just a spot where parlays you know the books are definitely gonna be pulling for Andrade when it's all said that no question about it
0: now featured bout in the light heavyweight division we got Dustin Jacoby he's 18 7 and 1 taking on Kennedy and Zechuku who's 12 and 3 And currently, Nick, they got it. Kennedy and Zechuku, minus 155. The comeback on Dustin Jacoby is plus 135. This is a really interesting fight for a lot of reasons, right? Because it's like, I think that... All right, so tell me your opinion on this. Because Dustin Jacoby, he got signed to the UFC for the second time. This is second UFC stint for those that don't know. Um, I think he was about 33 years old, which, which is young. 33, there's nothing old about that. It's just I'm saying... These years fly by, and before you realize that you're 35, 36, are we kind of past the prime of Jacoby? And and the reason that this needs to be addressed, Nick, is because I think a prime Jacoby gives Kennedy a lot of problems.
1: Oh, it gives him a lot of problems. I think he would win this fight still, to be honest with you, just the way they match up. Um, I, again, this is just one of those fights where Kennedy's evolving, he's getting better, but I do think Dustin will probably keep this on the feet, leave a little bit of space, and he he's the better striker. So even though Kennedy is dangerous, I mean, I, I think we've seen him vulnerable times. Again, he's been on a little roll for sure. We've seen now Jacoby lose a couple fights, but styles make fights. And this is a different type of matchup. So for me personally, I think you've got to look at Jacoby and I was one, that actually bet against him the last couple of fights. So, but now it's time to get back on his wagon, the way they match up, I think. And, and again, I'm the one that kind of has been backing Kennedy his last few fights too. But I just think the interesting class year of styles, That Jacoby could be live. I don't think you could lay juice, you could lay the chalk in this spot here. I think you have to look at Jacoby or leave it alone.
0: Yeah, I mean, the thing is going in Kennedy's favor. Firstly, those physical attributes, man. I mean, we're dealing with a guy with a seven inch reach advantage. He's a southpaw. I mean, he's Nigerian. You already know the deal, man. And he's got a knack for the comeback. It's just how long can you do that for? Right. And also, I was very it was a big red flag how devin clark was rocking him like that look if devin clark just pinned him up against the fence killed some clock okay whatever that's what he does but kevin Cl- uh devin clark almost had him out of there at one point i was like oh my god and then beautiful ninja choke check out my technique of the week on that but look all, all that aside it's uh, about is kennedy finally gonna get past that you know how like donald Cerrone would always have those slow starts like where He'd have to get rocked before he gets going. I feel like Kennedy's got a similar thing here, man. It's like, I don't know what it is, but in that first round, whether it was the Kutalaba fight and the Devin Clark fight most recently or you know, going back to Carlos Olberg beating his ass, and that was a great comeback. Still the only guy to beat Carlos Olberg. The Danilo Marcus fight a comeback. Daewun Jung got him out of there right away. The Nicola fight, um, I know a lot of us thought him, Maybe the, the decision was questionable, but it was still a close up in the air kind of fight. Um, so it, it, it's tough to say because like I do think Kennedy's making improvements. I think he's feeling more comfortable in there. And I think that he's got all the physical attributes and now the skills starting to catch up. I'm just worried um, possibly about the durability and Dustin Jacoby's a real striker. I mean, we're talking about a guy who was in there with, you know, the Alex Pereiras in glory. No, no brutal ass knockout. But still, you're fighting guys of that caliber. In glory right and then he's been able to uh, transition to the ufc for a second time but this time he's he's made a serious account of himself this time the guy's been on a run right um and these last two losses i wouldn't take much away from them i mean i thought he i thought he performed well in the khalil fight and the azimuth fight look azimuth's a problem <laughs> let, let, let's let's, 100%. let's let's not beat around the bush azimuth's a serious problem but uh, kennedy's a problem too it's just Man, I'm I'm just kind of struggling. Back to my point about, you know, is Dustin Jacoby kind of, you know, middling out a little bit? Like, have we kind of seen the peak of his skills where, you know, he's kind of reached the top of the mountain and now there's nowhere to go but down? Not saying he's on some crazy decline at all. Just saying, like, you know, maybe a tad bit slower than he was. Maybe can't take a shot as well as he once could. Um, That Those are the kind of things I'm concerned about because... There's one thing about kennedy if he can survive your early storm i mean he's hell on wheels in that second and third round that's just how it's been throughout his career um so this is this, this is the hardest one for me to call because two years ago i'm picking dustin jacoby here especially at that price uh no questions asked it's just are are we still getting that fully motivated you know at the top of his game or are we kind of at the point now where you know because he like i said he got signed when he was 33 which is young but 35 and 36 comes very fast, right? So, I mean, what, what, what are we expecting from Jacoby here, in your opinion?
1: I think he'll steady the ship. I mean, it's not going to be an easy fight, for sure. I mean, it's going to be – if it hits the scorecards, I wouldn't be surprised if it's another split decision type of fight. you know. But in a situation like that, like I said, he, I think he should be able to outstrike Kennedy in this spot, maybe even hurt him enough that it doesn't go to the cards, obviously, or, or you know, you said the defensive issues that Kennedy has on the other side of it. I think Jacoby's durability is still there. And I just don't think that Kennedy is going to be trying to implement that grinding style. Maybe uh, there'll be some cage work for sure with both guys, some reversals, but I still think we'll see this play out in space enough. Jacoby is going to get his time to shine here. So I think he's got enough left in the tank. You're right, though. You never know, man. When some, you know, these guys start 35, 36, you start slowing down a little bit. He's definitely not going to, you know, peak more. If anything, he's going to start slowing down here soon. But I still think he's got enough left in the tank that it's a coin flip type of fight. So it's a dog or pass situation, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm not laying minus 150-something on Kennedy in this spot, Um, especially when a lot of his wins are predicated on comebacks and stuff like that, which, you know, I I love my comeback guys, but I like comeback guys at dog odds, right? Um, You know, like a bet I lost last week on uh, Vinicius Salvador uh, against um, uh, CJ Vergara. Honestly, man, I'd make that bet again at plus 150. Like, I felt like it was like a 50-50 fight, like round one clear uh, Salvador, round three clear Vergara, round two 50 50 like just keep giving me those kind of spots but at plus 150 odds and i'm cool with it right um but here minus 150 i don't want a comeback at a price like that like for example when kennedy fought uh olberg i think he was what plus 270 plus 230 something crazy okay i'll take a comeback at those at those odds all day i just don't want to have to pay up for the comeback um i'm gonna i'm gonna lean kennedy but it's it's a tough fight i know that jacoby i mean one way to beat a taller guy you know that the calf kicks i mean you know this guy's got a good kicking game when he's not injured he didn't kick against mccall but when it when his shits uh together this guy's got a very good kicking game opportunistic upstairs as well i could see a knockout um i'm just worried about what happens if kennedy can not necessarily weather a storm but get his get his timing down and then and then when it's his turn to deliver his strikes I'm curious how Dustin reacts to that, so I'm not sure. And usually, when I'm not sure, it's a dog or pass situation. And I'll agree with you that is dog or pass. I'll I'll just pure pick uh, the other side that you're that you're taking. So I'll I'll take Kennedy. I like now. Next up in the featherweight division, we got Gavin Gouverneur Tucker. He's 13 and two taking on Diego Lopez, who's 21 and six. And currently, they got it. Diego Lopez minus 180, Nick, the comeback on Gavin Tucker, plus 155. Did not expect that. Um, so before before we, we talk about the matchup, uh, true or false, Gavin Tucker's 37 years old. I would say true. Crazy, right? Yeah. I mean, I,
1: you know, look, look, these guys don't, like, none of these guys look the age. You know, they're always in better shape. They're always, like, yeah, it's phenomenal. So, yeah. It's, uh, but yeah, it's, it's amazing that he's even up there because you would think, dude, he could pass for 29, 27, you know what I mean? 27 years old, 29 years old, something like that. So yeah, yeah, it is surprising.
0: I mean, like when he made his UFC debut against Sam Cecilia in 2017, like this looked like the next big Canadian prospect, man. I mean, the footwork, the volume, black belt in jujitsu. I was like, okay, like who's this guy? And then the Ricky Glenn fight happened, a, a beatdown of all beatdowns. And check this out. There's been a consistent theme takes two years off after that beat down i'm thinking oh man he's never gonna come back the same so i bet sung wu choi dog odds there and yeah there were a couple questionable moments uh from gavin but man gavin like like when gavin's not getting like you know when gavin doesn't take a shot that severely compromises him or something that's going to change the tide of the fight he's pretty damn good like he's got a very good process he's got a good point fighting ability he can mix in takedowns um black belt in jujitsu so i i I like everything about him offensively um it's just that defensively is where i draw the line right like when it comes time for him uh he can give it i just don't think he can take it as well and even in some fights uh, that he's won uh correct me if i'm wrong i gotta double check this it's been a while yeah yeah Uh, justin james dropped him in the first round as well he was able to overcome that and then check it out so after the james fight i was thinking okay well there's no way that you know billy q is gonna lose to this guy and man he listen to this gavin tucker puts up over 100 significant strikes seven takedowns looks like a contender and we're like all right and then he gets a dan Egay fight which is like you know the next logical step you just beat billy q you're on this three fight win streak let's see what you do here and then he gets smoked again and now we're right back at where we were uh, from the Rick Glenn fight. So now we're coming off another two-year layoff. So the last time he did that, he came out there and he went on a big win streak. What do we expect here? Because now the guy's 37 years old, which is a little bit different, right? Um, And then with this kid, Diego, so here's the deal with Diego. It's like, He's not the kind of guy I want to back at chalk because back to like comebacks or like opportunistic finishes, I like those guys at dog odds because like Diego is not a guy who's going to be picking you apart, who's going to be landing volume jabs, calf kicks, take down a seal off the round. That's not how he fights. The way Diego fights is. He's going to swing some bombs, but then there's going to be a lot of low output. You take him down, but then there's going to be near-submission attempts, right? Like, against Evloev, that knee bar, that Kimura, that arm bar. like That, sh- that stuff was disgusting, but in all the in-between... And he he actually rocked Bovzar a couple of times on the feet, yeah. too. But in all the in-between, um, there's lots of minutes that pass by with inactivity, and that's where a guy like Gavin Tucker is going to point him up. It's just... When Diego does have his moments, how bad are they going to impact Gavin Tucker? And that's kind of where, you know, my dilemma mentally is going on here.
1: I agree with you completely. And it's
0: tough because there's a lot of hype now on
1: the Lopez side because of his performance. You know, he took that fight on short notice. He came in and overperformed out of his mind. And people realize, holy cow, this guy's good. And he is good. And he's the type of fighter that continues to improve every time you see him, too. And again, he's a finisher. He's got the good jujitsu game. He's working on that takedown defense. He's just – he's stepping up his game, and he's one of these guys, I think, that finally makes the UFC and starts really taking everything to another level. So that's the upside of Lopez, where you said Tucker, though. Man, the other side of it, you have seen glimpses from T- Tucker as far as being a potential contender. I mean, that's how good this guy can be offensively at times when he puts everything together well because he can't put you on your back. He can out-wrestle you. You know, He can out-strike you on the feet. He's just – one of those guys, but the durability is an issue. I bet Ige against him. Obviously, I was pretty pleased with the result that it happened that quick because if that fight would have played out, you, never, you know what I mean? He would have had his moments in that fight, and I was expecting it to be pretty close. So with that said, you know, it, I just can't trust Tucker on this spot. So I, for me, I don't want to really – unless the price continues to climb, I don't really want to put my money on this fight because I can't – you're right, I can't lay Lopez here either because, honestly, again, that performance – that he's coming off of elevated this line a little bit like a lot of people there's hype there's recency bias all that stuff we like to say is kind of factored in here a little bit uh because if it's kind of neutral i mean this is going to be a really good fight if lopez does not get him out of there he's probably going to lose on the scorecards i would think right so he's not going to win decision here so i think you look at the lopez props and, and maybe you know find an angle there if you're going to bet this fight but don't lay the chalk and a lot of people have laid the chalk I'm not saying you're wrong, especially at the low numbers. If you beat the line because it is kind of steeping up and you made a good bet, okay. But if, at this price now, I would probably hesitate and stay away from it. I'm going to myself because, again, there's just too many factors here, and, and Lopez is getting maybe a little bit too much respect. Now, he comes in here. He finishes this fight. He's going to keep keep on climbing and elevating his game for sure. So I like the upside of him, like I said, um, and I hope he does well, but it's I'm not willing to pay that price to find out here in this spot.
0: Yeah, the argument I'd make for how he could possibly win a decision is like he's getting picked apart, but then he drops Gavin Tucker or something like that. Steals around. with Yeah, yeah steal around. A, a big submission attempt, something like that. Um, but here's my thing. It's like I, I, I'm not worried about layoffs. Layoffs, like I think I've talked about this ad nauseum, I think are myths in terms of putting stock into them unless we're dealing with like a reconstructive surgery. Like when Chris Weidman comes back, I mean, you know, tip your cap to a legend, but he will be faded. Just, you know, Anderson Silva was never the same when he broke his leg. Like, it's just when you come back from like a reconstructive surgery, that's when I put stock into layoffs. But here, it's more about the age I'm worried about than the layoff. Because last time this dude came off a layoff, he went on his biggest win streak um, to date. So it's not the layoff that's the issue. It's about the durability, the age. Um, This dude, Diego, is an opportunistic finisher. But opportunistic finisher that like, again, you got to understand he can absolutely catch Tucker with a shot, possibly a submission. Gavin's a black belt. But still, I mean, Diego seems like a very advanced nogi jujitsu guy. Like I bet like he's consistently tapping out black belts in the gym. The guy is disgusting with his nogi grappling. Um, it, it's just that you know what i'm worried about you know exactly what i'm worried about if he's not hurting tucker if he's not getting him out of there he's gonna get picked apart assuming tucker looks like what he's looked like throughout his whole career
1: yeah he's gonna have speed tucker's gonna have the speed advantage it definitely put his the pace on him so yeah i, I agree it's gonna be concerning for sure if he's not able to hurt him and, and kind of change the tide of that fight and have things excuse me have things go uh, his way for sure
0: all that said, I'm going to still pick Lopez um because Tucker does sketch me out um but yeah, I mean, if y'all got in early, you did your job. A minus 180. I mean, come on, you missed the yeah. best of it. So, there's no reason to force it. Um but best-case scenario for us is Diego Lopez comes out here and like destroys him and then when he fights like a guy who's not 37, who doesn't have durability concerns, who, who you know, is another processed fighter i think we're going to get a, an amazing fade spot i think we're going to get an all-time fade spot so let's just be patient sit this one out and wait till the next one and i think yeah that's
1: help. i gotta play it sometimes but you gotta pick yeah you, you know exactly what you said i like it
0: yeah um, and I mean, if we had more time, I'd pull up, i would pull up the featherweight rankings to like show you certain guys. I mean, just look at the two guys he fought that he lost to already Brito. Like if they ran it back, I got Brito again. I got Movesar again. And yeah. the beauty of that fight is now Movesar, um, is about to be undervalued his next fight. Cause people are under the impression that he looked bad, but he did not look bad in that fight. It's just, this dude is a serious black belt. And when you take down a serious black belt, shit can happen that's just how it goes but not everyone that uh Mozar takes down from here on out is going to be having near subs on him it was just a stylistic matchup type thing so yep. yeah agreed now next up in the light heavyweight division we got a matchup between tanner bozer who's 20 and 10 taking on alexa kamer who's six and two and currently they got it tanner bozer minus 150 the comeback on alexa Kamer plus 130. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is is Camer an Ohio guy like you? Yes.
1: Yep. Trains with Stepe. Yeah. In the camp over there, it's strong style. So, very good, underrated camp. Talking about, I'm not just because it's from Ohio, but honestly, I mean the strong style fight team over there. Really good coaching staff. Really good underrated fighters, up and coming fighters as well. And of course, you got you know the legend of Stepe in there too. Kind of you know that you iron sharpens iron, sort of speak. So, Kamer getting some good training in for sure.
0: So you know how I talked about this whole. Layoff thing being a myth, right? Well, here, this is a double edged sword. Let me explain what I mean. So, a kid like Kamer, I love it when like these young kids take layoffs because he's super inexperienced. So, you give a kid that was 25 at the time two years to level up his skills because that's what was missing. I mean, he was clearly not ready at the time. So, why don't we give you two years to work on your skills? Come back out here and let's see what you've done. Because you give a twenty-five-year-old two years to improve, he might come out looking like a completely different man. Now he's only twenty-seven now, but on the other side of things, so that's what I, I thought initially. I was like, "All right, two-year layoff. This is good. Like he's going to come back looking better. He's going to add some skills, maybe feel a little more comfortable in there. You know, et cetera, et cetera." Um, but the issue is, I heard that he might have had like a big-time shoulder surgery. Is that is that? Do you know if that's true or if that's bullshit?
1: I have not heard. I'm not like, you know, I haven't talked to camp or anything like that. So I'm not sure to be honest with you hundred percent, but obviously if he's coming off of a major, you know, something like that shoulders, can't even mess around. We're going to see Prohaska come back here eventually with that. And I'm questioning his comeback because of, you know, how drastic that was. So yeah, in a situation like that, I'm not, I cannot verify if that's true or not, honestly.
0: So, you know, for the fans listening, um, if you, any, y'all know, please leave a comment below and let us know um, if it's true that, Gamers coming off the surgery, because on one hand, if he's not coming off a of surgery, two years, hey, that's the perfect amount of time for because I talk about it all the time. A, he's six and two, Nick, a guy with 10 or less pro fights in his 20s is going to be making big leaps every single fight. You give him yeah. two years to hone his skills a little bit because you saw his UFC fights. He was too green. He didn't he didn't belong. It's not because he sucks. He's just he, he just never really got along, you know, regional um. You didn't no, get like eclipses
1: too you know like people i think there's definitely an upside to this kid for sure i like what i see you know what i mean i, I think he could be a very well-rounded difficult out for a lot of fighters so looking forward to seeing him back in here this is a good matchup man this is a, another head scratcher to be honest with you it's not an easy fight to pick
0: yeah so pat i don't know if this is true but pat says it was an elbow injury all healed and andrew says had an ulnar nerve issue so i don't know guys don't take my word for it. Take these guys' word for it. Um, I don't know if that's true or not, but, and I'm not a doctor either, so I don't fucking know. But what I do know is that Tanner Bozer is a finished product, and Tanner Boser is a guy I prefer at heavyweight. And let me tell you why. Because at heavyweight, he's a smaller guy, therefore, he's the faster guy. He had a big speed edge, and he's able to, you know, kind of outpoint guys at times, you know, not against Harlovsky, but at times, you know, he's a much faster man. You saw what he did to Philippe Lynch. Um, but here dropping the 205, because for the longest time, a lot of media members would piss off Tanner Bozer asking him, like, dude, when are you going to drop to 205? And he's like, what am I not like having success at heavyweight? Like, what, like, what are you talking like? He'd get mad at them for asking that, asking him if he's going to 205. Now he is at 205. And I just think it's a bad move. Like you gave away all your speed advantage. Now you're going to be one of the slower guys here. And you're already unspectacular uh, skills wise. No disrespect. I mean, he's a serviceable fighter, but let's not act like, you know, this guy's going to blow you away in terms of athleticism or in terms of skills. And that's just the bottom line. So now um, at 205, I I, I just don't expect bright skies. I do think that he's further along than Kamer. I mean, look, we're talking about eight fights compared to 31 fights. Yes. But what's Kamer going to look like here? Because, again, you give a kid like that time to improve – might look like a completely different man so i mean i'll pick bozer because right now if you pull up their last few fights bozer's just simply ahead of him but i'm not bozer's not a guy i'm sold on bozer's not a guy i trust and while i'm not saying kamer is there might be some upside young kid took time off making improvements big dog odds what do you think
1: Yeah, no, there's question marks. And you know how disappointed I was when the way, you know, light heavyweight debut went for Bozer? Because I like the guy. I mean, like you said, heavyweight, he had some decent performances for sure. You saw what he's capable of. Um, I I like the fact that he's, like, getting better. He He took it so serious that his body transformed, even to heavyweight. You know what I mean? He put the work in. Like, there's a lot of good things about Bozer. But for him to come down and light heavyweight and get sparked like he did, it's just not a good look, man, and especially against Kudalaba like that. I know Kudalaba has some power, but I was expecting better, and it would have been a nice test to see him stuff some takedowns, whatever the case may be in that fight. So I wish it would have played out a little bit longer. But that being said, yeah, it's hard to trust this version of him to see what we got. I know he's hungry. He's saying all the right things in a way. I mean, I know his social media is funny too because he said a lot, made a lot of other comments um, (laughs) recently as well. But that being said – a guy like Kamerman, his wrestling's probably better. Obviously, he can take this fight to the ground. Um, you know, he can kind of grab people out against the cage a little bit too. The striking's going to be relatively close, although you have to edge uh, Bozer here in that spark. But you said the speed advantage should be Camer. So it's going to be interesting. I, I can't lay chalk. This is another spot where, to me, this is a head scratcher type of fight. And, like I've went through it a million times and I'm thinking to myself, man, I could see realistically both these guys winning. So it's a or pass situation. You can't, I think the line should be a little bit tighter. I think Kamer's getting a little bit disrespected. I understand the layoff kind of factors in that too, because there's a lot of question marks. And again, we we just, you know, saw some of the comments out there. A lot of people do know. And thank you guys for commenting and letting us know a little bit more details about his arm injury. So uh yeah, there's just so many question marks and things going on right there, right now in this fight that it's just hard to kind of get a very solid indicator or confidence level be really high on this fight, honestly. So it's a wild card for me. That's why I, I kind of lean towards the dog. So I, I'll think I'll pick Kamer to pull off the upset here.
0: I think you talked me into it because it's like, okay, the experience edge of Bozer, we know all that, but like I don't see improvements at this point anymore. I think that we're getting a finished product here. All the upsides on camera. It's just, has he leveled it up enough to beat a guy this experienced? We'll find out, but I got zero interest in laying a price on, on Bozer. <laughs> yeah Ever again, um so yeah, I'll, I'll go with you on Cameron. Let's let's see if the Ohio boy can get it done. I'll be ruined for right. him, man. Yeah, and again,
1: Ohio bias. A lot of times, I am biased towards Ohio fighters, but this has nothing to do with that. Honestly, you know what I mean. So just being honest with you, I just think I like the stylistic matchup. I just think he's got enough to maybe make this very challenging, and it's going to be a close competitive fight. So that's and
0: why and, go with and, and the closer I look into it, I mean, Cameron's done a couple things I like. I mean, he landed over a hundred significant strikes against Nikolai Nagumariano which he he's a dude that beat Kennedy. He's a dude that got to a fight with Oldberg. He's a guy that's been doing his thing, man. Um, and he also... Yeah, it's not an easy fight
1: for anybody. You're right. Absolutely.
0: And he's landed takedowns in two of his three UFC fights. So, you know, Bozer can't stuff a takedown. So,
1: may, maybe... I mean, I think that's the back pocket sort of thing for Cameron, too. I think he can probably... You know, and if it's a competitive round, maybe Lance steals one takedown real quick. Opportunistic to you yeah it's one of those situations i think very tough like i said not very confident in this fight at all
0: guys as always exercise proper money management and think for yourself because like i have no idea what's going to happen in this fight but i'll pick kamer i'll pick camera let's see what happens <laughs> now this fight i do have a strong opinion on and this is my first better than nine next up in the lightweight division we got ignacio la jaula baamondes he's 14 and 4 representing chile He's taking on Ludovic Klein, who's 19 and four, representing Slovakia. And currently, Nick, they got it. Ignacio Baamondes, minus 225. The comeback on Ludovic Klein is plus 190. So I parlayed Ignacio at minus 185 with Bobby Green uh, like a couple weeks ago. So I got it basically uh, even like minus one or two, just even. So I play it to, to win, um, 3.5 units because I was originally going to lay Ignacio. I was going to risk about the same to win two units, but I thought Bobby was, you know, not to use words like this, but I thought he was a lock. (laughs) Uh, I think anyone against Tony is a lock in the UFC at this day, day and age, no disrespect. So I parlayed them together. Um, so to win 3.5 units. Um, and, and the reason why is this, man. I, Ignacio is a guy that even before his UFC debut, I've been hearing from guys like Bilal Muhammad, who I respect his opinion, saying that this guy's the best striker that he's ever trained with or been in there with. And, you know, Bilal's fought Wonderboy, right? You know, Bilal's fought Luque, right? Like, so if Bilal's fought Gil Burns, for him to say that Ignacio's the best striker he's ever moved around with, that speaks volumes and the kid's six foot three at lightweight which is already massive he's got a very good process fights behind his jab nasty calf kicks can put up the volume numbers we want i mean if i pull up um his last few fights i mean even the debut against mac desi which i just consider to be kind of a debut stun i say a debut stun one fight of the night and he still landed 112 significant strikes but the reason I call it a debut stun is because if they ever ran it back, I'm betting Ignacio again, just like I talk about this one all the time. If Tyler Santos and Mara Romero Barella ever ran it back and you give me minus 150 on Tyler Santos again, you know, I'm betting that 10 times out of 10. Right. Like just sometimes in their debut, they don't perform like you want them to. It is what it is. You see that kind of stuff all the time. Then they come back. Oh. And 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 I learned from my mistakes because Daniel Zell Hoover, exact same bullshit when he fought Trey Ogden. It was like, what that wasn't even about Trey Ogden looking like some pro like some you know contender. That was just about Daniel Zell Hoover pulled his debut stunt. Next fight against Lando looks like the guy we saw on tape previously. So um you gotta yeah. sometimes give him a pass for that debut performance. I did. And look what he's done since then. I mean, against Roosevelt Roberts, one of the best spinning heel kick knockouts in UFC history, right up there with Edson Barboza. The next fight against Rong Zhu, um, against Zhu Rong. So check, I, I tweeted out something about, because you remember Zhu Rong? He pulled a stunt that week, man. He dyed his hair pink. He missed weight by five pounds. He was doing the whole bit. I said, um, if you think a guy that dyed his hair pink and missed weight by five pounds is beating ignacio bahamondas in a fight then i'm sorry my friend but you wrong you know so uh that was a good spot and then trey ogden you know doubled him up on strikes and you know easy clinic so here against ludovic klein ludovic is a great hammer but he's a terrible nail i mean ludovic is explosive he's got a nasty high kick he's got a little sneaky guillotine too from time to time and his last fight, he went out there and hit two takedowns in there. So he's been mixing things up from time to time. I, I I just think that, you know, Ludovic Klein, um, you know, when, when he's the hammer, he's doing great. But when it's time for him to take it, I think he breaks and fights and Mondes, there's no breaking that guy. I mean, you gotta, you gotta knock the guy out. You gotta badly compromise him. You gotta hurt him. And if Ludovic can get off on that high kick props to him, but let me tell you this five, seven verse six, three. Now, that doesn't mean shit, because look at Volkanovski, who's 5'6", listed at 5'6". Between you and me, he might be shorter than that. Taking out Max Holloway, who's basically 6 feet tall. Taking out Yair, who's 6 feet tall. right? He's beating all these taller guys. I mean, Volk fought at fucking welterweight back in the day, you understand? Fighting Islam, who's like 5'10", right? So, like, the height thing ain't the issue. The height... Th- you know, uh, on paper, the height's an issue because Ignacio knows how to fight tall. Ignacio knows how to use that length. And when it's striker versus striker, and, and you got a guy who actually knows how to, how to fight like a real tall man, look, there's certain things we're worried about. I, I called him a tall man. Therefore, he's got tall man defense. So, yes, of course, I'm worried about that. And Ludovic is an explosive guy, but I truly believe it's Ludovic. Finisher bust the only way ludovic could win a decision here because he's not going to out volume him like what, like at the, end, at the end of this fight assuming that ludovic didn't get like a highlight real ko the box score like ignacio is going to have him doubled up on strikes right um it's just the yeah. only way ludovic could win like a decision is like back to kind of one of these earlier fights we were talking about where ignacio is picking him apart and then maybe a big wobble or maybe he gets dropped and you steal the round like that some some, some stuff like that but besides that man Ignacio is gonna, you know, double this man up on strikes, chop down the calf, pop his head back with strikes. If Ludovic tries to shoot, Ignacio's got those long man chokes, that power guillotine, the darsas, the anacondas, ninja chokes, whatever the case may be. I think he's I think he's a problem for everybody, like uh, you know, as he starts to progress, but especially for Ludovic Klein. If it's just a battle of heart and will. Oh my God. And it's a battle of volume. Oh my God. So just please don't get finished or badly compromised and we're cashing uh 3.5 units here. So yeah, I got Ignacio on the spot and I love it.
1: I like it. Much respect, man. And, and um, the VFS camp that they're from out of Chicago um, or that area whatnot, it's, it's, it's highly underrated. It's so underrated. So it's definitely one of those cases where again, Iron sharpens iron, and it's not just getting that nationwide recognition. It will one day, though. It's one of those spots where I think eventually the secret will be, you know, the cat out of the bag kind of thing. I know a lot of the diehards understand and they know about the gym, but I'm talking you, about. You, you ball mean ball. Uh,
0: you, you mean when Bilal wins the belt? It's that's when it's going to happen.
1: <laughs> Possibly, man. I mean, he's obviously trending in the right direction as well. The work they've done with Yair, all these guys, man, it just really respect that camp. They're doing things the right way, so he's only going to get better, man. Like you said, is, I, I get it, I understand it. I just can't lay the price right now. There's been a lot of sharp action that hit the screen today. Um, if you're looking at it, I mean, I, I was watching the screen, you know, working throughout the day all day long, and I, I saw the steam hit, hit come in various times too. And uh, at this point now where it's minus 225, I think Klein is dangerous enough that I am going to probably leave it alone and uh, look at the dog and leave it alone completely, like look at a, prop, a finishing prop possibly. Like you said, though, I, I agree with you. I think Baja is – very durable. I mean, the heart that he displayed in that McDessie fight, all the situations he's been in, I like what I see, and I think he does have no quit in him. And I am concerned for sure about, like you said, I like how you put it, the the hammer, when he's a hammer, he's all right, but when he's the nail, he's not. That's true with uh, Klein. But give him the benefit of the doubt here with so much steam coming in there. Again, it's another spot where i got to stay away from the favorite, though. I mean, as far as a pick goes, a pure pick, okay, I, I will definitely pick Bahumundas, but I cannot lay the chalk where it is right now in minus 200 above. So I would stay away from it.
0: Okay, but what do you think about the seventy-five, eighty-five I got? Oh,
1: my God. I mean, if you're getting those type of prices, for sure, there's no question about it, yeah. And again, a lot of sharps agreed with you, so you're, you're sitting in a very good spot, and you should feel good about it. Even regardless, dude, if he gets sparked and you lose, like, you know, obviously I don't want you, but I'm just saying if you do lose your bet, you still made a good bet at the price. I mean, people might not understand that, and they might think, oh, only, you know, if the bet wins, it's only a good bet. Like, no, that's not true. If you got the value, a lot of sharps, we're on that same boat early on, and they're not manipulating this line. I mean, it's a lot of belief that you know that side is the right side, so yeah, no, you made a good bet. Regardless, I mean, unless this thing drops down to like minus 150, right. then you did make a great bet, but I don't think that's happening anytime soon. Oh, so that, yeah, if that happens, bet. I'm
0: adding more, you
1: know, <laughs> yeah, no, that is, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, if it happens, but it won't get to that point, so yeah, you made a great bet regardless. Um, and I think you're on the right track for sure. By is definitely the upside here, but again, Klein. Just kind of one of those sneaky spots where i think maybe we we're underestimating a little bit but again it's just one of those things where i pick baja i just can't lay the job
0: i mean you'd think that he would have had something for jai herbert man he, he lost that fight it was just a soft ass point deduction that made it be a draw um so yeah, there was that. And then as far as Nick saying, you know, why it's important to get the best of the line. I feel like a lot of people don't understand that concept because they think it's just about, you know, you either pick the winner or you didn't. Well, if you guys got 100% hit rates, then then it, then it is all about picking winners, but right. unfor- unfortunately I don't have an 100% hit rate. So the reason it's important to get the best of the line is cuz you maximize your wins and you minimize your losses and at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. Like I'm not thinking about just this event. I'm thinking about at the end of the year, I'm thinking about in 10 years and 20 years, like all the little point threes and point fours you add to your bets, like all that shit adds up over time, man. And uh, that's why it's important to always try your best to get the best of the line because, like I said, you'll maximize your wins and you'll minimize your losses. And at the end of the day, I mean. This game is so hard to beat, anyways. No. That you you have to get any edge anywhere you can. So sharps
1: lose all the time, man. We see it. Everybody thinks, oh, sharp action. No, sharps lose a lot. The sharps that agree on a certain side, dude. There's cases that I get an outstanding closing line value. First of all, in MMA and UFC, it's frustrating sometimes because we get most of us that are you know in the know, whatever. Meaning that we get we've been doing this for a while. We usually get ahead of the markets and ahead of the the line moves because you know we anticipate some of that stuff. But it comes back and bites you more times than not, too. A lot of you know, you're you're killing the line move by 150 cents, which is still good. I'm not saying that's not a good thing, but I'm just saying it does blow up in your face sometimes more so than other sports. But you still want to get that closing line value no matter what 100%. Like that is a line at a certain price. I'm I'm glad like we're covering this a little bit, is much different than a line. Like I said, if you miss the boat, if you're laying minus 150, minus 175, minus 200, then it closes at 250. You know, you made a really good bet. But if you're laying minus 250 and it closes 250, you made a terrible bet, in my opinion, at least. You know, if the fight wins, okay. If, or if your line, let me just say this. Let me correct myself a little bit. Because if you have the line at minus 350 and you lay 250, you know, if your line is 350, then you have some value, whatever the case may be, then that's fine. But if, you know, and most people aren't really lining these fights themselves. They're not really going by that sort of thing at all. They're just kind of trying to follow the steam and getting on fights at the wrong time. You cannot do that. Because like I said, there's been a lot of sharp action that I've seen all one way sharp action and it goes down to flame sometimes, man. So if you're hitting the line at the worst possible time, not a good formula for success.
0: For example, last week with De Lima, OK, so some people got him at minus one twenty five and then some people got no, him dude. At, some yes. people got him at minus two thirty. Now, Perfect look, example. both bets lost. Right. But. Which bet did you lose more on? You lost more on minus 230 than you did on minus uh, 125. So you're saving money. You're minimizing your loss, taking the best of the line. And and on Lewis, if you bet him at the pick-em price, look, you won, but you left a lot of money on the table because he closed, what, plus 185, plus 200? So just saying. You, brief- you want
1: me to be honest with you? Last week, what I did early on, I was on the, the dilemma train too. Like I hopped on got an outstanding line. I think I laid around minus 140-ish. And then when the line went up to over minus 200, 220-ish or whatever, I hopped off. I got off it, man. I was like, you know what? This is ridiculous at this point now. Um, and I hopped off and I got on Derek Lewis. You know what I mean? And, and I'm glad I did now. It worked out. I am not. I don't always do that. I don't look to do that. But it was just one of those things that I like. everything was kind of feeling that way for me. And then Derek Lewis hitting the scales. Uh, that's the other thing. We, we saw how Derek Lewis looked on the scales, right? And some of these predictions, that's the thing. You guys got to pay attention. I think those are the people that are kind of trying to get – a little bit better at their betting, you have to watch everything the line movements, everything you can throughout the week, especially on fight week. And then, obviously, the weigh ins do matter. Now, again, sometimes we overestimate or underestimate weigh ins, you know, we, t- we take that too much into consideration. But in this case, for me, it was a flag right away when you saw Derek Lewis looking that, whatever the case may be. I mean, maybe he wasn't motivated, whatever, the, but it looked to me that he was motivated. He came in caring about the win here, and he goes out there, of course. I mean, people can say what they want. It was flukish, whatever the case may be, but it looked to me that he came in motivated. It scared me a little bit. All the traffic and all the sharps that were, you know, betting one direction, I hopped off, man. I was like, you know what, at this price, now there's some value that opened up on Derrick Lewis. I jumped off the wagon, hopped on Derrick Lewis a little bit, and like I said, it worked out like that. I was like, thank God I did it, but – the people that laid minus 125, the people that laid minus 140, the people that laid minus 150, whatever the case may be, all the way up to minus 200, I think he made a decent bet regardless, even though if it went out the window like that, because more times than not, you're probably going to win that bet. So it wasn't a bad bet, but it's just, like I said, at certain price points, you know, fighters open up value. So it could be a spot where you like a fighter down here, but you're not going to like them up here. You might like the other guy. And I, again, I know a lot of maybe guys that don't understand betting as much will It's a head scratcher to them, but that's exactly the way it works, you know, for people who've been doing it for a while. And again, I'm sure a lot of people on your chats understand it as well.
0: I mean, if you can guarantee yourself money, like you just did in that example, I mean, isn't that, isn't that what this is all about at the end of the day? So, yeah, you know, I get greedy, I I get
1: greedy too, though. Sometimes I don't want to, you know, hedge back, whatever the case may be, because you're like, ah, no, you know, I got such, but yeah, I mean, on a move like that. Yeah guaranteed mm. profit is the way to go it, let me it, tell it. you like yes 100 if you can like i have friends that I, some of my good friends my best of friends they, they that's all they do for a living is scalp that yeah. is like they, you know what i mean they're taking both sides of everything they're always on both sides they're you know it's just one of those things and they're earning a profit so it might be a smaller commission on each fight whatever the case may be but they're making it work they're not losing they're not taking l's ever because they're getting the best of it on both sides of things so that's pretty basic to me. I'm not like, you know, I'm not one of those guys. I'll scalp when I can and I'll pick those spots when I can, but I'm more of, you know, pick my spots, get some line value, stay on that side, obviously something like that. But um, yeah, no, there's definitely money to be made. And if you can get a, a guaranteed earn, it's hard to pass that up, man.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. And moral of the story, get the best of the line, maximize your wins, minimize your losses. Now, Next up in the bantamweight division, we got Hayoni Barcelos. He's seventeen and four, taking on Kyler Phillips, who's ten and two. Currently, they got it. Kyler Phillips minus two fifteen. The comeback on Hayoni Barcelos is plus one eighty five. So here's another layoff where the layoff itself doesn't concern me. It's the PED suspension that concerns me because this dude Kyler Phillips is an explosive, nasty striker. Man, I mean he like and he's also a black belt on the mat like the guy can do everything man and when he's out there in his flow state especially that first round the guy like it looks like one of the best fighters in the world in that first round and then hyoni man when he came into the ufc people were calling this man a uh, wec aldo that's the kind of hype he had and man i loved hyoni against miles johns i really did i absolutely loved that matchup for him because um i love uh, fading guys that have no output versus output machines like you remember how any barcelos fight with victor henry like where he lost
1: oh yes yes which was actually a surprise to many that's kind of victor henry's coming out party so to speak and then of course he disappointed after that but yeah yeah definitely
0: so in the individual rounds of, of the victor henry fight like meaning like Round one, round two, round three. In those individual rounds, Hayoni landed more in those individual rounds than Miles Johns has in complete fights. Like that's that's just that was the output difference. And oh my god, I love that spot. But here I'm not sure. Uh, because it's like to me, the, the Umar knockout to a lot of people is actually a huge red flag. To me, it's not. I think that Umar is disgusting. I think that Umar is one of the best guys in the world and i think that although umar might not have a bunch of knockouts on his record that was a beautiful combo man that's not that wasn't about hyoni's chin that was about that's credit umar right there as far as that that's my opinion on on the matter i know some people might disagree but i think that that was all umar so credit to him here against kyler i mean i just kind of see this being a three-round fight where these two are getting after it and uh one one going the third round type thing assuming no one's been finished and knows ready to dig deep and kyler seems to slow down bad um as fights progress that's how that's how you know Holly and piva was able to steal that win away from him whether you think you won or lost we can't debate that kyler slowed down dramatically in that fight um and then hyone um you know it's it it just sucks it's like we were talking about he got signed when he was like 32 33 so he was like right there in his prime entering his prime but now all of a sudden you know he's 36 37 so it's just not the same but skills wise he's got everything i want i mean he okay so we talk about his his black belt in jujitsu you know his dad's like a fucking like corral belt which is like you know there's only like, what, 10 of those on planet Earth or something. But in addition to that, this guy was on the Brazilian wrestling team. And then, you know, his striking is on point, too. So I like everything about hyone And then Kyler's kind of got that more traditional martial arts background. So explosive. I'm curious how he looks off this PED suspension. Normally, I'll put more stock in a PED PD suspension with older guys. Like, remember remember when Ortega popped for steroids early in his UFC career? Um I put zero stock into it because he was like 23, 24. I was like, he'll be fine. But but when TRT Vitor came back, you know, looking deflated, that's where he put stock into the PD uh, suspension. So maybe I shouldn't put stock into that. I'm just not sure what to think about this fight. And then, and then, and then there's the whole talk about he's plus 185, <laughs> you know? So, like, is that accurate in your opinion? Like, what do you think, man? Because I'm having a, a, a tough time reading this fight.
1: Yeah, I know it's tough. Another good, me too. This is one of those cards that, like, you can make a case that, you know, it's going to be a roller coaster ride for sure. And this is another one of those spots. It's not an easy one, but there's been a lot of sharp action that has come in on the Phillips side. But now that it's peaked, and I'm saying it's peaked because I know it's peaked a lot of sharp minds out there that are liking the Barcelo side um, as it sits right now, too. So this line probably will come back down a little bit. Yeah, no it's tough, man. I mean, 36 years old again the upside of Phillips a little bit younger. There is kind of more to like, and there's more to root for, but these guys are both so well, well-rounded. I think Barcelos is actually a little bit more steady. Like you said, I do I am concerned a little bit about Phillips slowing down. Um but that being said, I, I think he is probably the more durable fighter here in this case. He's even though he's he's very technical, he's still a little wild and unorthodox at times too. So I do think that Kyler Phillips is the side here, and I'll pick him to win this fight. But again, it's what price point do you get? If you laid around minus 175, minus 180, I can understand it. But if you're laying minus 215, 220, then I think you probably have to look the other way at the dog or just leave it alone. So, Barcelos definitely, I mean, he's got effectiveness everywhere the fight takes place. You know, his output, like you said, he's got popping his punches too, man. It's not like, you know, he's just not pointing fighters. He can finish fighters too. And then, of course, he's got a very good ground game, excellent there. So across the board, he's dangerous, and he's going to give Kyler Phillips fits. There's no question about it. But still, I think in this spot here, I'm a little bit more confident in Kyler Phillips, and I think he probably does get it done here.
0: Yeah, I mean, when you look at their numbers, man, they're very comparable, man, in terms of, you know, the striking numbers are like neck and neck. Maybe Hyoni absorbs a couple more strikes. Um, You know, Kyler is very elusive. And then on the mat, I mean, Hyony's takedown defense is insane, and he can also land takedowns too. So can yeah. Kyler, but I, I don't see Kyler taking down Hyony. I don't think. Um, uh, man, I, I just wish Hyony wasn't like 36. Man, <laughs> that's still that, thats the thing that sucks here, you know. But he's plus yeah. 180 at the same time, so it's—I I don't know. Like, I really don't. Like, I have no idea who Another you pick. Another tough one.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm gonna pick Kyler Phillips. I do. Uh, I think he's more upside here. But, again, Barcelos, dude, I've always been a fan for him. When he came into the UFC, I mean, I've been watching him play back in LFA. So, I, you know, I was looking forward to it. When he finally made the UFC, I was like, oh, wow, this guy's going to definitely open up some eyes. And he did. I mean, he's, he's a great fighter. So, for me, I, I do like him, and it's, it's difficult. But, again, I would not recommend laying minus 215. I think it's a case here, like, if you've gotten close to the opening line or, you know, lower numbers around minus 170, you're okay. But if you're laying over 200, again, I call it Phillips, because Barcelos could definitely play spoiler here. So for a pick, I'll go with Phillips, but it's definitely a tough tough one to bet. And, again, we, we talked about it. I mean, this card has those spots from the fights, fight. To the, there's just a lot of head-scratching question marks from the Lopez-Tucker fight, this fight here, another one. It just seems like it's that kind of trendy card.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go on the opposite side and take hyone but, man, I'm just excited to watch this fight. I, I know for a fact it's going to be balls to the wall. These guys just getting after it. And, uh, yeah, may the best man win. Now, next up in the welterweight division, we got a matchup between Jeremiah Wells. He's 12-2-1. That draws actually against Basil Hafez, who just fought Jack Dilla. And his opponent, carlston Harris, is 18-5. Currently, they got it. Jeremiah Wells. So a lot of action's been coming in on, on Carlston. It's a uh, minus 125. Wells, the comeback on Carlston is plus 105 interesting interesting fight Nick. because both guys are 36 years old but both guys are serious man I mean this dude Wells like man he's a physical specimen like I I, I'm not that far off from his age you know I'm 33 he's like 36 I hope I look like him when I'm 36 you know what I'm saying and when he's 40 he's still gonna look like that so I hope when I'm 40 I look like uh, (laughs) like Jeremiah Wells you know but listen man the guy um we already know about the one hitter quitter. We know about the Gracie black belt. Um, but I really like those takedowns too. He's very explosive with his takedowns. And we found out in that last fight, he got that dog in him. You know, uh, he overcame some big knockdowns. We know Semmelsberger has an insane knockdown rate, 10 knockdowns and nine UFC fights. You know, like, even in fights that Semelsberger loses, he knocks guys down, you know, it's crazy. Um, and, jeremiah was able to overcome them somehow other refs might have stopped the fight by the way but jeremiah was able to overcome it and it was his turn to implement the wrestling did a great job um my issues with jeremiah is at space like in the in-betweens that's where i kind of think carlston harris you know being the longer guy is going to kind of be able to pick him apart with the jab Uh, I think both guys are a little bit on the chinnier side. Uh, So either guy could get knocked out in this spot, but I don't see the takedowns coming as easily for Jeremiah as they did in the last fight. And similarly, I don't see the takedowns coming as easy for Carlston as they did in the last fight. So I see a lot of striking exchanges where that's where I kind of see Carlston, you know, like I said, being the more active guy, actually fighting behind a jab, having more volume, having more process in his striking. It's just I'm worried about his chin, also worried about Jeremiah's chin. But Jeremiah shooting a sloppy shot here. Now, he is a black belt himself, but Carlston's got those long arms and he's got those long man chokes that uh, that choke he hit on Aguilera. Double check. It was an Anaconda or a Darce anaconda man that anaconda was absolutely slick beyond belief and he's beating some good dudes man i mean you see kasanga is up at 205 now about to fight one fight away from a million dollars uh in pfl he's been doing his thing only lost to Rachmanov uh, uh as of recently back in the day he lost to that Jara guy who now has been getting exposed but back then that kid was a prospect he had come off a big win over the Austrian Wonderboy remember Nardiev? um Jara beat that dude's ass um and he knocked out Carlston but Carlston also has a win believe it or not over Michelle Pereira um on on his way back in the day yeah right yeah yeah so um and I think he might have it's been a while since I've seen it. I think he might have even overcome a knockdown in that fight so the chin is is in question for both guys either guy could get knocked out I just don't see Jeremiah having as much wrestling success here. And that's where uh, I'm either going to be right or wrong in in how I handicap this fight, right? Like, if Jeremiah is able to get consistent takedowns here, then just my read on this fight is off. But I I don't see that being the case. I just see it being a competitive fight, Carlston a little bit more active, a little bit longer. So don't get, don't get, uh, you know, nuked into the fifth row. And I think he's got a good chance to win. Cause it's funny, cause pre tape, I was leading Jeremiah. But and tape is not the be all end all, Nick. Tape has somehow sometimes um, talked me off of the right spots.
1: I know, me too. You're you're right. Sometimes you you see too much, or you you know what I mean. You look into yeah. I I I know exactly what you're saying.
0: Yeah. So I don't know, but after I watch tape, I'm kind of thinking this is a dog or pass situation. So I'll, I'll go Carlston here.
1: I'll go the other way. And again, it's a difficult fight for me to call too. I mean, Carlston's made me a little bit of money so far in his UFC career. I've never been a big Jeremiah Wells supporter, but he did impress me in his last fight for sure. Like he, I think he's starting to put it all together. and His explosiveness in his wrestling, everything like that. I think you keep him on the right track in his fight IQ, get that conditioning up a little bit. I think he's going to be okay. So in this spot here, I'll go with Jeremiah Wells because it seems like the majority of the people are, are in agreement with you and they're going the Harris route. Um, and normally I would say it's probably a dog or pass situation, but at the, now right now it's trending down to a pick. And I think there's maybe a little bit of wiggle room on the Jeremiah well side. So I do like him in this spot, but very slightly another tough one, though. I mean, again, confidence level not high at all because I do realistically think this fight can go either way so I could understand why people are going to take the dog money there on Carlson here. So there's been more sharp action hitting that side than on the well side for sure.
0: So like, obviously it doesn't, make me comfortable being on the same side as everyone else i I don't like that at all um but you're picking wells like where do you kind of like what leans you towards his side
1: i mean i I do think that he is probably the better wrestler here and i think he could stay out of trouble here too again even if he doesn't get the fight to the floor because that is a big question mark and i know it's not gonna be easy but i think he could kind of catch it. he's gonna have the speed advantage and i think he can like you said they're both a little bit chitty too so it's who lands cleaner. And I think Jeremiah Wells is kind of a little bit more explosive. But those long limbs of Harris, of course, worry me a little bit too. There's, like you said, Darce's, all that stuff he can do with the chokes. But I do think that it's kind of both these guys are chitting, But I think Jeremiah Wells has that more explosive speed and that power. And again, in his back pocket, if he can mix in a takedown, if it's a close fight, whatever the case may be, it's, it'll be a good one for sure. But I'm leaning a little bit more towards Wells because I think he's just a tad bit more explosive and that speed should matter here.
0: He is a tad bit more explosive. There is no debate about that. So it's like the explosiveness versus like the length and kind of craftiness of the more seasoned guy. So this should be a great fight. Now, yeah. next up in the featherweight division, we got Billy, Quarant- Billy uh, Quarantillo. It's not Quarantillo, Quarantillo. Billy Q, he's 17 and 5, taking on Damon the Leech Jackson, who's 22 and 5. And currently, Nick, they got it billy q minus 175 The come back on damon jackson's plus 150 now here's my thing man i love me some billy q who doesn't love them some billy q i mean he's the man a great guy you know aside of you know aside from the fighting and then just an exciting fighter to watch he's got that dog in him he goes for it my issue is that billy q is not a guy i lay minus 175 on um i just don't he's a guy i like to back at dog odds because more often than not he loses the first round every single fight. Um, he's usually it's usually a comeback, which I, I you know I love my comeback guys so I talk about all the time my Cheetos, but I bet those guys at plus one sixty odds. You know I, I I just can't be laying minus one seventy five on a comeback guy. And I think that Damon Jackson, for all his shortcomings, I mean when he when he gets the back man, I mean he's able to just grind out rounds. And if he can lock in that body triangle, I mean I don't think he's gonna choke out Billy or anything like that. But I think that that round's over. 10-9, 10-9, nine, nine Damon Jackson, right? But Damon does slow down in fights. Um, you know, the uh, Argueta fight's a good example of that. And Billy Q, like, I think if this gets to round three, I think Billy Q is winning that round three. It's just, is he going to be getting grinded out those first two rounds and lose a 29-28? That's what I'm kind of worried about. But, I mean, we know if they're still there in round three. Billy's going to put it on him. That's just what Billy does. But can, get, can Billy get started a little bit earlier this time?
1: Yeah, that, that is the case for Billy Q, man. I mean, that's unfortunate, but he is better in round two, round three. And it's one of those cases where it might pay dividends here if he can't. If Damon, Damon Jackson can't submit him early. But, dude, even though if you don't, you don't have a sub on your resume, like Billy Q has never been submitted, Damon Jackson is one of those offensively gifted submission artists that you just never know, man. I don't want this guy on my back. I don't want him around my neck. Like He's just that good at what he does. And he's starting to be a little bit more of a threat on the feet, but that's not exactly where you want to be, especially with Billy Q. I think overall, Billy Q's been really impressive, man. So, yeah, it's it's one of those things, though. I would expect him to maybe lose round one if he doesn't get finished. I mean, I think there's an outside shot he does get submitted because that's just how good Damon Jackson can be. But I do lean towards Billy Q here. I think that round two, round three will probably be his. If he can survive those spots, I think maybe round two will have more success stuffing the takedowns or, or getting position, getting – back to his feet hopefully and not getting you know dominated on the ground or with enough time or controlled um for a long period of time either so i do like billy q here as a pick uh, and this is another spot though that has two-way sharp conflicting action so we saw some early sharp action come in on damon jackson which again i sit back and say i can understand it then we saw some after it kind of hit the bottom a little bit we saw some sharp action take it right back up a little bit too so uh, which again i can understand because what we just said can play out Very easily. So another difficult spot at the betting window. I don't think I can lay the chalk, man. If this drops back down a little bit, maybe I'll hop on Billy Q. But I think at a certain price point, Damon Jackson looks a little bit too attractive for me in in this spot here. And Billy Q has been put on his back in the past. You know, his takedown defense is improving. But if he's got one kryptonite, that probably could be it. he get controlled a little bit on the ground by more dominant wrestler grapplers, right? And Damon Jackson kind of fits that bill. And the other side of it, though, Damon Jackson's chin, man, I mean, if, if Billy Q gets going, he's going to probably end the fight and get Damon Jackson out of there, too. So I think they're kind of both each other's kryptonite, so to speak. I Maybe not as fair to say with Billy Q because he hasn't been submitted. But, but I could see, excuse me again, I can see Billy Q, you know, kind of weathering that early storm and having a little bit of problems and then kind of winning here. So Damon Jackson, it's, if he can implement the right game plan, I think he can win this fight, too. So, again, another kind of head scratcher. But I cannot lay the chalk on Billy Q and another guy that's made me some money in the past.
0: Billy uh low key, like has got some pop in his punches lately, man. I mean, that uh Gabriel Benitez fight was an absolute statement. I mean, that was like ridiculous. That wasn't even a comeback. I God. was shocked,
1: man. I bet on him. I mean, I was expecting him to do well in that fight. I had you know, but the way he just dominated that fight was like I was pleasantly surprised that he was able to d- dispose of somebody that talented that easy.
0: Yeah. So, I'm picking uh, Billy Q. Yep.
1: I'm with you as far as the pick I, goes for sure. Just another I, tough spot to bet. I,
0: I just, I just hate minus one seventy five.
1: Yeah, it is tough, man. And David Jackson again, it's just hard to lay that chalk. If, unless you know that your guy can stuff the takedowns and just you know blast away. I bet Egan against Damon Jackson. Um, I was, so, but again, I had question marks going. Egan worse. you sometimes; he gets put on his back a little bit, right? In those spots. Of course, I, I felt more comfortable and I, I thought he would stuff those takedowns and you know find that knockout so but that being said again here's another spot where and we know that he could possibly get put on his back here billy q so definitely not an easy one to lay a bunch of
0: next up in the flyweight division we got jake hadley is 10 and 1 taking on cody durden who's 15 4 and 1 currently they got it jake hadley minus 200 the comeback on cody durden is plus 170 um so i mean i just got a preface this by saying I'm very biased towards Cody Durton, friend of mine. I mean, I've been to the dude's house. I've met his wife and kids. So like I'm not <laughs> gonna ever pick against Cody Durton, even against Davison Figueiredo Like this is that's my friend, like, you know, and I wanna see him do well. But all that aside, like, dude's a fucking hard worker, man. Like the, not just his work rate in the in, in the cage, because I mean you saw his last fight. Sc- scored 11 takedowns against Charles Johnson and set the record for the second most takedowns in flyweight history. First goes to Mokayev against Charles Johnson too. Mokayev had 12 um um Cody had 11 so he missed the record by one, but he's still in the history books second second most so pretty badass. Um and and I've seen the dude train and he's just such a professional man like um you know, he's got like orthopedist with him at the gym and like he's got his people he's got his water guy with him like he's very serious and then he's going to uh att in in florida as well he spends like six weeks there at a time training with pantoja the champ so he knows what it feels like to be in there with the best guy in the world you know multiple times and pantoja is a very soft-spoken guy who isn't one to just give out compliments for the sake of giving them out and he uh, apparently pulled Cody aside and told him, "Like man, like you've been making like massive leaps. Like so for Cody to hear that from the champ, you know, it's got it's got to count for a lot." So the the thing with Cody's style, um, it's a double edged sword. He goes balls to the fucking wall. That's his style. Like basically, if, if he's gonna get tired, you're gonna get tired too. That's just how it goes. This guy, like Cody Durden, is never gonna be a guy that runs away in a fight like where you're you know you're not gonna boo during a cody during fight because it's non-stop action and this kid hadley's a problem this kid hadley's very physical um i like everything about him on the uk he looked really good in his regionals dana white uh, i talk about all the time on contender series when i'm watching tape i don't just watch the fight itself i also skip to the very end to hear what Dana White had to say about why he did or didn't sign someone because that's not just Dana's opinion prior to him going on the camera. He's in the back with the matchmakers and it's all influenced by Dana, Sean, Mick, and Hunter Campbell. Right? So uh, when he, when he goes on camera, it's basically kind of what every, all, all those minds said together. And Dana said that Jake Hadley was special and Jake Hadley missed weight for that contender series fight so for you to call a guy special that missed weight normally a guy that misses weight they, they, they're they not giving you a contract on contender series they gave this guy a contract after missing weight on contender series and dana called him special so that stood out and then you know obviously his debut didn't go his way but you got to take into consideration alan Nascimento's got two to three times the amount of fights Not only that, Alain Nascimento had the best fight, the second best fight in contender series history against Holly and Paiva, right behind Sodiq Yusuf and Mike Davis, which is the best fight in contender series history. In my opinion, the third best is Carlos Hernandez versus Daniel Barres, but that's neither here nor there. I felt like after that Nascimento fight, Hadley bounced back very, very impressively. I love his shot selection. Um, I love the fact that You know, he's a very good scrambler. He's opportunistic with his submission ability, but he is susceptible to being taken down. So kind of the way I see this fight going is Cody Durden. He's going to go balls to the wall like he always does, and I think he's going to outpace Jake Hadley. The issue is that with Cody's style, it's not that Cody, you know, lacks jiu-jitsu the guy's a brown belt in jiu-jitsu the guy i think is a state champion wrestler he doesn't lack any grappling credentials and he's in there with pantoja every single day it's just more so when you fight with that balls to the wall style you're gonna leave openings that that's just how it goes so he will be susceptible to submissions and stuff like that um just by the nature of how he how he goes about his business in there um so that's what i'm worried about right if this goes to the scorecards i'm pretty confident cody's winning um and cody's good everywhere people just talk about his wrestling don't sleep on his striking he was rocking johnson in that fight and i've seen him knock out plenty of people on the on the on the regional scene as well like there's this kid named john sweeney who i think is the lfa champ now and is like a fight or two away from making to the ufc go go check out what cody durden did to him on the regional cody got him out of there in like two minutes right so um you have to be a certain level you know, and, and there's, you know, a flukes will happen like the Jimmy Flick fight. If they ever ran it back, you know what would happen there. So here, you know, it's, it's a tough fight because Jake does have that opportunistic finishing ability. And that's what you need to beat Cody. So Cody's got to be on his P's and Q's. And also, you know, the BMF belt was on the line last week. Can Cody enter the BMF discussion? I mean, you know, he's got two fights booked, right? You know, he's fighting Jake this weekend, and then he's fighting Bruno Bulldog Silva in a month from now. He didn't pull out the Bruno fight. He said, give me both fights. Like, dude's got brass balls. I respect everything about him, and, you know, he's my friend, so I hope he comes out here and wins. But I'm not an idiot, and I know that if he's going to lose this fight, it's going to be, you know, a guillotine, a triangle, something like that um, after dominating the fight. So... Hopefully he dominates it without that finish coming. But I'm, I'm not delusional. I know Jake Hadley's very good, very serious. I know what he brings to the table, and I know he's a dangerous out. But I think if Cody can, you know, stay not stay safe per se, but just fight smart here, I think he can. I think he can put the three round clinic on him.
1: I do as well. I think you broke it down perfectly, and I, that's my concern too. There's no question who's going to have the wrestling advantage in the spot. You know, Durden is really good at what he does. He's improving all the time, too. It's just that defense, the submission defense with a guy like Hadley, he is going to be obviously aware of that, too, and he's just so dangerous. So, Like you said, opportunistic. So that's my fear. But there's no way I can lay 200 on the other side of it, man. If you're going to bet Hadley, you bet, bet a prop, bet it by finish. Because if it hits a cards. I think he's going to lose his fight. So if he doesn't get Durden out of there, I don't think he's going to win. Durden is just, like you said, such a dominant grappler. He knows exactly what he's got going. He's getting better. I like everything that you said. You gave us that insight, too. That makes me feel better, too. But I'm going to pick Durden, man. I think, like I said, if he does stay out of trouble, I think his path to victory is pretty clear. And this is one of those situations where the UFC is almost like, okay, we've seen you kind of you know, fail in a similar situation. Different, different but similar. Let's see if you can stuff those takedowns. Let's see if you can weather the storm from an amazing ground fighter, grappler, you know, grinder, like Durden is. So uh, this is going to be an ultimate test. That's why I think it's a dog and pass situation. You can't lay the chalk and the line's kind of climbing up. It was another spot where we have seen some respect on Durden and then it kind of went away and it's all Hadley. Again, the hype is on Hadley. Uh, The more popular, you know, I guess global name is Hadley a little bit, even though Durden has been performing really well in the UFC. I still think there is more hype around Hadley at this point. So, I'll go against the hype. And I think that Durden is a problem for him. So I'll pick Durden
0: on a side note. What's your opinion on this? Do you like ever bet on your friends fights? Cause for some reason, like I've never bet on Cody once. not, not cause I doubt his abilities just cause like, uh, you, you a, almost
1: don't want to jinx him. No, I'm, get away
0: that, it. I'm just it, saying, cause that's one thing. Like if
1: you, not that we jinx, I'm just saying you like, it was one of those things. Do you want no vibes at all? Yeah. No, I try to stay way honest. Like as, 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 that
0: goes. as a discipline, better, one of the big rules is not betting where you have a bias, right?
1: Yeah. There's no question about it. Yeah. But for me, I picked like the Ohio, something Ohio fighters we were mentioning, I couldn't pick against those guys like Steve Bay, Jessica. If you look back historically on podcasts, I will never pick against those guys because again, I had that mutual respect or, you know what I mean? So I totally get what you're saying a hundred percent, but I mean, yeah. I, I try not to, but as far as betting, no, you can't. No, it's, it's just Again, I, I don't want to put like, you know, you just have your, it's almost like leave them have a clean slate without any betting or I don't know. That's just the way I feel about stuff. You know what I mean? So if it's, yeah, it's, it's very difficult to bet friends. And then, you know, you don't want to see, like, obviously if your friend wins and you cash in and like, that's a great situation that's like icing on the cake. But again, in, in the spot like this, I could totally understand why you would just want to stay away from it. Hope your friend does well. And, you know, come on on top. And then you never know, he might get underestimated as he climbs that ladder and you might get a good spot. So,
0: but yeah. but it, it, it's not even that cause it's like against the um the Brazilian lFA champion fight. I, I always forget the dude's name, Carlos Moda. Dern was like plus one sixty against yeah. uh, Charles Johnson. He was a dog there too. And I'm picking him in all these fights. It's just I just feel weird about like betting where I have a bias if that makes sense,
1: yeah, that's probably I mean, you bet with your head, not with your heart sort of thing, and then maybe, but sometimes you can't differentiate. like sometimes I think our the feelings kind of mess with your head and your emotions. So maybe you're not thinking clear. So yeah, I can understand. I can respect it. If that's the case, you just stay away from it.
0: He's also plus plus one seventy, So it's like, you know, it's like, damn, you're really dangling the carrot in front of me, but uh, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, for sure. No, dude, it's tempting for sure. But I mean, especially if it's got a clear path to victory, right. As we talked about. So, and he knows that, I mean, like I said, it's just what you said about him being so relentless and just so busy. It does leave openings at times. And Hadley's going to have his, you know, his moments for sure. So, and yeah. even on the feet, obviously, Hadley has an advantage, right? You know, he's going to have the striking edge. I think overall, even though Durden's getting better. Um, so, yeah, there's there's definitely some high side to Hadley, but again, at the price minus two hundred, man, I'm not interested.
0: Don't don't sleep on Durden striking though. He's uh is it, like he's had pro boxing and kickboxing uh, experience. Like it's just I guess when you w- when you get in there um your instincts take over and the guy was a wrestler first so you know yeah and
1: he's got that wrestler's power too that if you know i mean so yeah those guys have another level of strength sometimes so if he connects yeah for sure you can't sleep on him at all
0: so next up in the featherweight division we got sean woodson he's nine and one taking on dennis bazooka who's 11 and two currently they got it Sean Woodson minus 190. The comeback on Dennis Bazooka is plus 165. So, listen, a lot of people have been saying Dennis Bazooka um, got stiffed on contenders and that this guy deserves his UFC shot. All right. Well, show me now. Show me, you know, because we know what Woodson brings to the table. Woodson's a matchup problem just in terms of his size. For Featherweight, six foot two with an 80 inch reach um, at 145 pounds. Like, a lot of people are just going to have issues with that off the bat, um, and then there's been some some questionable things like that last fight. Um, I did not expect him to get starched like that against Saldania, but Saldania Saldania for the first like round and a half is a problem. It's just for some reason he like slows down as fights progress, but first round and a half, dude's always been a problem in every fight he's in. Uh, and this Bazooka guy, like the way I describe him, so you know he trains with Sarah Longo. He's surrounded by good people. I, I just kind of think that bazooka is just kind of like solid everywhere not really special anywhere just just a solid well-rounded fighter you know nothing special but solid
1: yeah i agree with you and i honestly i'm not like deep into this fight i still have to go through it because this was another opponent change i mean that's the other thing for what's it man what this is the third fighter correct on this card it's been swapped out so much so I have not dug into this fight greatly, obviously. So I'm not going to give you like a betting advice on this spot, but I do see the line sitting there around minus 190 right now. And have we seen some movement? Oh, let's check and see. I'm just curious uh, to see if we did see some steam coming in here as well. Um, do you know offhand if the line's moved since it opened?
0: Yeah, I I thought um so it opened on bet online i think minus 150 woods and now it's minus 190 but i saw someone post a bet on a plus 110 woods and so i don't know i don't yeah i I have to
1: look through it a little bit deeper but yeah I, i see where it sits uh right now around minus 190
0: uh it's another
1: one i mean just off the top of my head again without digging in too deep right now of course i know both these guys a little bit i mean bazooka like you said his training camp he comes from a great camp for sure Woodson man is one of those freaks that with that length and the ability I mean his striking is so good and he's got those chokes I mean he's he's got a very sneaky hard to deal with style that you can't really train for I mean because he's even his takedown defense everything about him is better than what you would expect so he's not an easy out I can understand especially when you're coming in here on short notice But again, Longo and those guys will have their fighters ready, prepared to step in on short notice fights, even if they haven't officially made their UFC or whatnot. So I think he's going to come in here prepared. Obviously, he's getting some respect already. The line's sitting around, you know, minus 200 against a proven UFC vet like Woodson. Um, That's something to to be said. So, but for me, as far as an official pick goes, I mean, I'll blindly go Woodson, but I'm not done doing the research. I got to dig a little bit deeper in his fight to get a little bit more confidence, to be honest with you.
0: Yeah. I mean, this matchup got announced like an hour before we went live. So, but. Dennis Bazooka, I remember him from both of his contender series fights. I mean, fought Melsik the first time, lost, and then fought some random dude and, you know, kind of grinded him out a little bit, stuffed a lot of takedowns, and just kind of edged out. It was on the B. Joe Pfeiffer night where, like, everybody bored Dana out. It was the night they brought Lorenzo Fertitta in to, like, like Dana was like dude like you gotta come, you gotta come see these fights on a Tuesday night so Lorenzo comes through and it was an absolute stinker minus Joe Pyfer. so they didn't give anyone a con- a contract yeah. except Joe but I mean Dennis he was just solid you know I mean like I said nothing special but solid right um and then Woodson like I said the just the physical attributes make him a stylistic matchup uh it, it make him a stylistic problem a matchup problem for a lot of people excuse me um it's just I was, I don't want to say, I, I don't know, like that fight against Saldana, but Saldana is good for like a round and a half, right? So he's a dangerous guy in every single fight, win or lose in those first seven minutes. So I'm not sure how much stock to put in that. I guess where I'm more worried about is Dennis mixing in some wrestling here because that's one thing that Woodson, he has gotten better and he does have those long man chokes like you mentioned, but he's st- it's still going to take a lo- a lot more, you know, a lot more reps and, you know, Matt, time to 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 catch up. So that's where Bazooka has a chance. I don't know what shape he's in taking this on a couple-day notice, so I'll go Sean Woodson. But who knows? I mean, if you're tempted by that big dog Price and you feel like this guy has a clear path to victory, I could see why someone would make the argument for him. But I'll go with Woodson. Um, but, man, I love the original matchup. Not the original. The original was Steve Garcia. But the replacement, not, not Butler, but this kid, Myrone Santos, that they – brought in from lfa dude that was going to be a banger so i hope they give that kid another chance but for now i'll go woodson and last but not least in the flyweight division we got Ode osborne he's 12 and 5 he's welcoming asu almabaev who's 17 and 2 to the ufc and currently they got it um almabaev minus 195 the comeback on Ode osborne is plus 170 i, I might just keep it 100 with you man I wasn't that impressed with Alma Bayev at all. Um I feel like sometimes and I want to say this as respectfully as possible um the the Kazakh fighters are kind of viewed as Russian fighters like like they like when you see a Kazakh fighter with a seven, 17 and 2 record come in here he's got the dead animal on his head you automatically think oh this guy's a lock to win the fight. But you saw a couple of weeks ago with that Tyson Nam fight, and I'll be I'll be honest with you there too, on the regional tape, that guy that fought Tyson Nam, I was way more impressed with him than I was with this guy. Like, this guy, I'm a buy-up. So when I looked at his record first, I was like, okay, he's been in there with three UFC vets, Bekov Chris Kalaitis, Zach Makovsky. So, all right, let me see how you did against those three UFC vets. bekov Mop the floor with him in a way where i was like oh my god this guy doesn't belong but that was a long time ago so you know he's gotten a lot better since then chris kalatus fight very very underwhelming man and chris kalatus is 42 years old nick and then the next the fight against zach mccoskey which was a fight or two ago like look zach mccoskey did his thing in the ufc back in the day but Zach Makovsky is 40 years old, Nick. And this fight was a split decision where, like, Alma Bayev is taking down Zach Makovsky. Zach's, like, sweeping him. Zach's hitting takedowns of his own. So, like, what Alma brings to the table is he's kind of got, he's not Russian, but he's got, like, a watered down Russian coast style, right? Not much volume, not much activity, but occasionally he's going to throw a spin. Occasionally he's going to throw a jab. Occasionally he's going to pick you up and slam you, right? So like the, the areas I'm worried about is him getting those opportunistic takedowns late in the rounds. Because Ode Osborne loves to play off his back and that's something I'm worried about. But man, on the feet, I think O'Day um, despite his chin and I don't even know if it's his chin, it's just the guy's huge and he cuts to 25s that probably takes away a bit of his durability. But like offensively speaking, the guy's the goods on the feet, man. I, I think that Oday is very dangerous. He's a lot more active. I think he's getting, you know, he's rounding out his game a little bit more. You saw some takedown, uh, some takedowns landed that last fight. It's just I'm worried about him off his back. But I'm gonna tell you this right now. Um, you know, this dude Alma that this ain't no shaft cat or anything like that, man. Like, I think that this is just maybe a, a zalgus 2.0 like I, I i don't see this panning out long term and maybe i'm wrong but i just i, I was very underwhelmed when i watched the tape so i'm gonna go Ode osborne here for the upset
1: all right i like it i can respect it oday's a hard out man with that length and that style Like, because again he's dynamite pretty much everywhere too like Ode has you know those kicks the with his arms i mean that reach that he has over his opponents so he's dangerous on the feet and he's dangerous. Even you put him on his back, like you mentioned, that is one problem that he does have, but he can threaten you with submissions too. He's got those long limbs and he knows how to use those triangles. So there's a lot to like about Odin. He is getting better. He's getting more confident. And the work that he's getting in here in Vegas, like there's all sorts of upside to him. I think he's kind of getting over that hump, but I'm a off. I, I was more impressed than you were, honestly, with the film. I understand, you know, some levels of competition and whatnot. And I do agree with you. I mean, he's fighting some aging UFC vets. Um, but that being said, I still think he's going to be quicker a little bit faster here. He is explosive, and I think he can mix in those takedowns a little bit. And combine that with Odie, uh, you know, with his defensive flaws, again, he's a little bit chitty at times. I think the explosiveness will kind of hurt him in this spot or the way that Alabama, butchering his name to um, Alabayev ends up getting your back times. He's opportunistic opportunistic with that. I mean, I know he gets reversed at times too, but I think he'll be in a good spot. He'll control more of the grappling here if he's on top. So I think he's going to be a little bit quicker. I think he might be able to spark Ode, and I think he could get the takedowns and maybe control a little bit of that. So I do think he's going to win this fight, a close fight, possibly by finish, or if it's the scorecards, he's going to kind of grind it out. And it, it is notable to say that there's a lot of sharp action coming in his way as well. So they do believe And this line has climbed from like 150s, 160s. Now it's approaching, if I'm looking over here, uh, closer to 200s. It's getting up to minus 200. So, again, there's a certain point where you just kind of jump off. But I believe he is, you know, I like what I see. And I think he fits the bill. And I think he's only going to get better. So, this is a big test for him, though. Coming into the UFC again, facing a guy like Ode. I like it. Because if he gets by Ode, I think it's a good test. And he's on his way again. So, we'll see what he does in fight two. But I think he can win this fight. And so I'm going to pick him. I'll go with the chalk favorite here. Again, it's kind of climbing a little bit, but I do like what I see. There's more upside, I think, to him. Ode is the kind of guy, like I said, he's improving, but I think he's almost reached that plateau, like, or he's close to it. Where on the other side of it, I don't think that's the case.
0: Regarding the sharp action, I mean, are they really high on this guy per se, or do they just kind of see a Russian-sounding name? and and and, and, and no, because, because like <laughs> if his name was asu johnson would it be steamed to minus 200 here
1: possibly no, no no it's not about the name it's not about like you know what i mean that's not exactly like the, the sharp action that's come in here for sure um there's more to it there's a lot of people that do run analytic models even if, if it's outside of the ufc um there's a lot of people that obviously the footage whatnot, too, as well so no i don't think it was just blindly betting this lineup because you're fading osborne or name recognition or anything like that it was too sharp action to believe that this is the right side
0: okay Is what i I think at least we'll see because when you see an ev or an off it's like oh you see the dead (laughs) animal on his head he's got the kazakh flag oh yeah this guy's easy money but you saw in that tyson nam fight and i thought that way closer to people and and when i when i watched the the film on that kid i was like yo this kid's a fucking problem and that shit was close no, that's not that's neither here nor there these are two different fights but i'm just saying i watched this guy barely beating 42 year olds and i'm like i don't know man but man with Oday's flaws that's what makes it tough so that's
1: exactly it yeah and i but, think that's uh, again that's one of the things that they're probably betting against early on too a little bit you know i mean there's a certain price point where you know willing to take that risk if everything else is lining up and you have more of a durable fighter on one end you know and you're laying a sh- kind of a short price uh, yeah i think it makes sense honestly but we'll see again a good test and if he passes this test man he's a welcome addition and a nice addition to the ufc because ode is going to be around for a little bit man i mean he's a tough out for a lot of fighters so he's going to be i think he's going to have one of those careers where he's close to a 500 type of fighter when it's all said and done no disrespect attendant because if you're a 500 fighter in the ufc you're a damn good fighter so that, that's no pretty
0: disrespect. fucking good that means yes. you're sticking around Yep. So, uh, someone had a question for you. Uh, Dick's insider said, Dan, please ask Nick what sport those trophies are for. And he's willing to bet $20 they're bowling and, and you're a Nevada state champ.
1: Correct. No, (laughs) that is not correct. Actually, those uh, from, uh, my, like, actually there's kind of my favorite trophies that, uh, I used to have a karate background, a sport karate background. Um, so those were from my sport karate days. Good question though as well. And I just kind of, you know, like I had to have a little bit of that with me still. Um, I haven't done sport karate obviously for a long, long time, but that's kind of my striking background is where, you know, what gave me the love for mixed martial arts and the martial arts in general. So that's what it's for, for sport karate tournaments. And one of my, uh, biggest accomplishments, the diamond nationals in 1998, uh, that that's a huge tournament and I won the middleweight championship. So that's my kind of pride and joy right back there as well. But, um, uh, yeah, so it wasn't bowling, unfortunately. So you're wrong there, but, uh, it was a long, long time ago.
0: So we're dealing with karate, black belt, Nick Caligas, huh?
1: <laughs> yeah, was, that was okay. If we had a, our karate school, there was a lot of problems back in my past. Like that's kind of like what led me to to the spot where I am, which I would have never guessed. Meaning, like you would never think a karate taekwondo background turns into sport karate, whatever the case may be. And then years later, you know, you're talking gambling odds or betting on fights and all that stuff. Never would have saw that coming, but hey, it is what it is. Life takes you in crazy different ways.
0: Well, I recommend jujitsu if uh, they call it the gentle art. It's not so gentle. That's total bullshit. But let's just let's just run with that to sell you on it. You know,
1: no, if I had a choice to do it again, I might go the jujitsu route instead, man, because I I tell you what, I was one of those stubborn guys way back in the day. Again, all you jujitsu practitioners out there. No disrespect. But when you were dating back, I mean, I was watching UFC one for crying out loud. Right. Hoisted all those guys. And even back then i was like man those guys these grapplers don't got nothing you know i mean Hoy started opening up our eyes for sure because they were like oh my god but you know Jiu-Jitsu started getting popular i was still one of those stubborn taekwondo guys thinking yeah right i'll, I'll you know pick this guy apart whatever the case may be now that's not the case obviously with the wrestling no you know, you know what i mean we've, we've evolved quite a bit and if i had to you know pick my spots i probably you know, would consider getting into Jiu-Jitsu even more so than taekwondo because obviously it's such a an important part of the game. Everything is, man. I, I love every aspect of martial arts, but obviously the best bases we know now, you got to start with the wrestling, right? If yeah. you're going to pick, I know we're getting off topic a little bit here, but, uh, so there, yeah, a lot has changed. What I'm trying to say is back then when I was kind of that guy thinking that, uh, you know, stand up was the way to go only. Yeah. Uh, I've got a rude awakening as far as just seeing the evolution of the sport and what it is today. So it's just awesome to see it.
0: No questions asked. Well, Nick, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me right here, right now on half the on half the battle. The fans can follow you at Fight Odds. They can check you out on UFC Fight Pass, UFC on the line, The Gambler's Perspective. Uh, Nick, any message for the fans before we get out of here?
1: Uh, No, I appreciate you guys all watching. And again, support us on The Gambler's Perspective. We have a show coming out tomorrow night, actually Wednesday night. So make sure you check that out. And of course, UFC on the line with Yanni the Greek myself um, as well. We got um, another one actually next week, not this week, but uh, the following week we have UFC on the line coming out. And of course, check out MMAodsbreaker.com and follow me on Twitter.
0: Absolutely. Make sure you all do that for all the fans. Thank you all so much for all your support, whether you've been down with me since day one, somewhere along the way, or recently. Thank you. Thank you very, very much. Uh, Please smash the like button. Hit the subscribe button when this is over. Leave me a comment. Make sure you follow Nick at Fight Odds. Y'all can follow me at Best Fight Picks. And subscribe to Half the Battle everywhere podcasts are found. Thank you guys so much. Enjoy the fights. And until the next time, let's cash these bets!